Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Well, good morning. I want to give a special uh, greeting to those who are in our overflow this morning. Um, It is packed here, so we set up chairs in preparation to know there's overflow, so I'm speaking to that camera that's going to speak to those people in the overflow. Thank you so much for watching this message in our overflow section. Can you give them a big hand for those who are still here? Yes, we love you guys, and we love all of you. So, well, today we are um, talking about the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, last week we talked about um, our prayer language, which doesn't really say that in the Bible, but when we pray in tongues... I came up with this theory that you kind of debunked my theory about introverts, extroverts. And actually, after that message, um, a doctor who goes to our church sent me an ABC News report about the scientific reason or the scientific, yeah, the scientific reason why my theory is not so good. I love it when you guys send me things afterwards to tell me I'm wrong. I really appreciate that. But I actually did because I told you this was not biblical. This was just a theory I was working on in my head, and it was wrong because science actually did brain scans of people who speak in tongues. And I was thinking, okay, this is some sort of language that takes place that unknown to the speaker. But what they find is they did brain scans on people when they started speaking in tongues. There was no brain activity, which means it doesn't use use the language part of our brain Uh, when people speak um, in tongues or pray in tongues. So that is kind of a fascinating thing. If you want to look it up, you can watch it uh, yourself. It was an ABC uh, news report on this, um, the science uh, around that. So kind of fascinating. Well, today I'm going to be speaking uh, about the gifts of the Spirit. Different, the reason I started with tongues last week and praying to God in tongues because there is a spiritual gift of tongues um, that needs to have also some interpretation of tongues, not necessarily. Let me tell you a quick story. I was in Africa. You might have heard the story already. I was in Africa, and I was praying with a young man who came to me at this, some, some sort of revival meeting, and, and he wanted me to pray for him. I didn't know what to pray because I, we can't communicate. It's Rwanda. Uh, their language is, I'm going to mess it up. Any Rwandans in the house? Yeah, what is the language? Kieran Wanden. Yes, that's why I can't say it. But anyways, so, um, so here I am praying for this young man. And I thought, you know what? He's not going to know what I'm going to say anyway. So I'm just going to pray in my prayer language. So I thought. But it turned out that I was speaking his language. And he was understanding what I was saying. That is the gift of tongues, which is a supernatural um, gift that, that the Holy Spirit comes and um, manifests or activates that gift in a person. I want us to understand a couple things. If you turn with me, if you're taking notes or on your phone or your Bible, I'm going to give you some things today that are really important for you to, uh, to go back and research um, this week um, in your devotional time, in your quiet time. You should be in the Bible throughout the week. Don't wait until Sunday to crack open your Bible. Uh, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. There's two places that talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, it's pretty easy to, to um, find those things. It's after the book of Acts is where we'll find Romans. The way you'll remember is 12 and 12. Romans 12, right after Romans is 1 Corinthians, it's another 12. 
And so that is a chance that you'll go in there and be able to um, look at some of the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not going to go through them all. I'm going to mention them, but I'm actually going to talk about something a little bit differently um, as it relates to this. Today I'm going to be really talking about um, the power of God, how it needs to be married with the love of God. You see, the gifts of the Spirit, unaccompanied by the fruit of the Spirit, uh, make you a fruit loop. Because if we try to have the power of God but not the love of God, we're, they're not going, people are not going to receive what, um, what you're trying to give them, which really is, is God working through us. I, I'm going to give you kind of some big heady words here. Uh, for those of you who don't like um, really heady stuff, this is your point where you can check out right now. I'll tell you when to click back on. So you can close your eyes for a moment, take a quick nap. You'll be fine. The two words that I want to give you is transcendence and imminence. These are two theological words to, to kind of describe God. Transcendence is that, that God kind of created the earth and that he's out there somewhere, but he's uninvolved with his creation. Another theological term that would kind of go along with transcendence is deism. The other word, though, is imminence. Imminence is this idea that God wants to be close to his creation and he wants to engage. And that's theism, theism, where they understand that God is not only the creator, but he wants to be close to his creation, imminence. The challenge in our world today is that we, many people, if they believe in God, which Pew Research just did a research for our nation. They said that 60, 60% of people still believe there's a God. That's good news. The challenge is, is they believe in this transcendent God, which is God out there somewhere. And the reason why this is a challenge is because if they do not understand the narrative of God, which is God's whole purpose was to be close to his creation. Remember Garden, Garden of Eden. God walked with Adam and Eve. He wanted to be close. He designed humanity to have a relationship with them. And that gives people purpose to know that God wants to be in their life. Their life's been designed for a purpose. Their life has meaning. But the moment you take uh, and make God a transcendent God, you realize that God's out there and the world is just in a chaotic cause and effect, it starts to erode the meaning of life. And it starts to bring people into not only relativism, another big word for today, sorry, I'm using some big words because I'm going to try to help you get some concepts together, which understands that, what, that your truth doesn't have to be my truth and there's no absolute truth. Relativism. And we're kind of taught this in school today. Any young people here, young people who are in middle school, high school, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on, you. Come on. Don't be shy. Get your hand up there. There we go. So you're probably taught tolerance in school, are you not? It's important to be tolerant. Okay, not a bad concept, but here's the, what breeds that with that is, is that what you believe doesn't have to be what I believe. I'm going to be tolerant of what you believe. Now, it's important to not have hate in our heart. 
It's important to have this relative, just understand that you're not to dominate or any of this type of thing. That's, that has nothing to do with the gospel message. But what it continues to breed is it doesn't, everybody thinks differently and therefore there's no absolute truth in the world. There might be a God out there, but if there's not absolute truth, then the way my experience is, what, how I live it becomes my truth. And it, it continues to erode away this feeling that's going to leave people hopeless. Because if you don't think your life has purpose, the only meaning you have in life is relativism by what you experience, then people start chasing experiences and their experiences will leave them empty every single time. You cannot go to enough sporting events. You cannot watch as many Redbox movies or movies. You can't play enough video games to fill anything on the inside that has any meaning. And so it leaves you wanting, wanting, and then you can never satisfy that. And because God's out there, so distant, it starts to breed hopelessness And then hopelessness breeds to how do I cope through life? And then you get on antidepressants, you get into alcohol, you get into drugs because you want to mask the feeling of despair. That's none of you guys. But it's the world that we live in. Why am I setting the stage with this concept of the world we live in? Because my job is to help you understand what your role is in this world, which is to show that God wants to be close to people. And today, how they know that God wants to be close to people is not knowing that there's a God out there that loves them, but there's a God that's here that wants to engage with them. And today, the engagement is through the supernatural of signs, wonders, the miraculous healing. You want to know that God is actively alive and engaging with his creation? Then let somebody experience the healing power of God through you. Let somebody experience a miracle through you. Now, again, remember, it's not you that's doing the work. It's the Holy Spirit who manifests himself through you. All right. You with me? So the solution for our world today is to not just say that there is a God who loves you, but by the way, there needs to be starting with that message of God's love. You need to start there. But then it needs to go beyond God's love because you can just say to somebody, God loves you, and they still perceive that there's a God out there who put this universe into some spinning motion and is cause and effect right now, and there's God who doesn't really care about my life. But that is not true. God desperately wants to be close to every person. And he wants to be intimately involved in people's lives. And I believe the world that we live in today is not going to be satisfied with just more knowledge about who God is. They need to experience him through his power of signs, wonders, and miracles. So that brings us to uh, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. So in Romans 12, if you have your Bibles, you can just kind of crack there put a finger in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. 
There are a couple gifts of the Spirit that I just want to mention. I'm going to just give you a list. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because where I'm going to spend my time is actually talking about how we're to love people and to honor people. And that is the starting part. But I want you to earnestly desire these spiritual gifts. So Romans 12, you have exhortation, which is encouragement. It is a gift. When you have just naturally encouraged somebody, if it's natural, it's not a gift because that's you. If it's supernatural encouragement, that's from the Spirit. Giving. It is a spiritual gift to give you know what? The reason why is because we're selfish people. It's not natural for us to want to give. Giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, teaching. You just want to serve somebody? I think sometimes people feel like, hey, um, man, I, I, I can never get in front of uh, a crowd of people, or I don't feel like God speaks to me. And, but yet you have the most servant-hearted person out there doing so much for the Lord. And that is a spiritual gift. There's teaching. That's Romans 12. I want you this week to review that and ask the Lord, God, would you use me in these areas? And then 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. These are the ones you're going to find there. Gifts of administration, discernment, faith, healing, helps, knowledge, miracles. When Jesus performed the miracle where he multiplied a few loaves of bread and a few fish to feed thousands of people, that's a miracle. When he spit in the mud and made this little mud pie and rubbed it on a blind man's eyes and the person could see, that's healing, but it's also a miracle. Prophecy, teaching, tongues, interpretation of tongues, wisdom. Then there's some miscellaneous ones in Second Peter and uh, around either words. Do you realize that there's a spiritual gift of celibacy? Move right along. Okay, hospitality. <laughs> I, I didn't see anybody get really excited about that one. Martyrdom, missionary, voluntary poverty. These are things that God gives you supernatural ability. Now, last week we talked about the gifts are for who? Others. They're not to make you feel good. It's to do what with them? Build up. It's to build other people up. It's to encourage. It's to lift them up, build them up, encourage them. We want all of these gifts to be functioning here in the church, but I also want to say they need to go outside the church. Outside the church. I want us to look at Romans a little bit deeper around... I'm not going to jump now into these gifts. I'm going to say what is around them. Paul, who wrote, who wrote both Romans and... Corinthians. There's a couple interesting things, right? We stop after we see chapter breaks or we see verse breaks or when we see a line across that gives a heading. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, in my Bible, there's a heading that says marks of the true Christian right after he lists the gifts. So it's almost like he's done talking about gifts 
Okay, let's move on to another subject. The way that I used to read the Bible, but then I'm realizing, wait a second, that's a continuation. There probably wasn't a heading there when he originally wrote this letter to the church in Rome. Because in verse 9, it says, after he gives all the gifts, he says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly I'm going to add sisterly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Okay, it's interesting that he, he starts by listing all these gifts, and I, I think the gifts are amazing. I pray that God would use me in greater capacity for those gifts. But what I've also realized, that the gifts without the fruit really don't have an avenue into people's lives. So it is interesting that Paul then says, after he lists them, he says, let love be genuine. I I think that's really great because you can pretend you love somebody. And I'll tell you what, they won't receive the love of God if you pretend to love somebody. The other interesting thing that Paul says here is outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, We don't live in a culture of honor. We live in a culture of selfishness. Honor requires you to begin to think about the needs of somebody else, to think of somebody else more than yourself, and say, how can I posture myself in honoring them? Nate, Terry, you want to come up here for a a moment? Just come right up these stairs. I I want to let you know that one of my best friends is this young man right here. He's not so young. He's 40. (laughs) <laughs> oh, almost, you are 41. Actually, you are 41. You just had a birthday. But I want to tell you what, how much I love this guy. And I honor him for who he is. He's in my life group. And he, he, he adds a lot to my life group. I learn from him. And, and the way that I honor him is the way I love him is the way that God speaks to me and ministers to me. (laughs) And so I want to let you know, sometimes there's going to be scripture in here we're going to be talking about that sometimes we go, we we talk about these weak, the weaker parts of the the body. And the ones that we we like put on the platform sometimes. And the reality, the, the Bible says we need each other. I need Nate in my life. He's my friend. You my friend? Are you? I know. Okay. He knows. That means he's my friend. And you can sit down now, Nate. Give him a big hand. Thank you so much, Nate. And it's not, I don't put on any kind of pretendness, but I honor him for who he is because he's made in God's image. What would it look like if we loved each other so much in the way that we understood that every single person is made in the image of God? How, you know, we, we don't do this anymore, but I, I wonder if it was birth. Here's Mark's theory again. You can send me an email later of telling me why it's wrong. But my theory back in the times when we used to open up doors for women, by the Somebody thinks we should still do that. And by the time, but remember when, how many women would say that would still be good if the guys open? All right, guys, take notice. Take notice. 
All right, or when, when you'd be riding public transport or anyway, or even in the service, that when you see somebody who needs a seat, especially the elderly, that you would get up and give them your seat. There would be a time that'd be very normal to do. But now, I'm not saying here, I was just actually gave my kids an experience yesterday by riding the T down in Boston. And it was quite the experience. I didn't know what I was doing, by the way. We, we got one of those tickets, and I thought it was a Charlie Pass that would get me to, you know, one ticket for the whole family, and I paid a lot of money for this one ticket. I thought it would save, you know, long run, and it only did allow one person to go through. Then I'm standing here in the middle of the gate, like, vroom, vroom, vroom. I'm like come on down through, just get through, get through, just, I don't care. We already paid money, and meanwhile, the gate's going in my sides, and Elliot's kind of like, Dad, this is not right. I said, just get through, get through. <laughs> All right, I might have sinned there. I'm not sure. Um, but the look on his face was priceless. Like the fear in his eyes, like what? You just turned into a madman, Dad. What are you doing? So, so we did at the end to get back to where we're going. I said, Audrey, we probably need to buy individual passes. I know we already spent a lot of money, but we don't want to put them through that again. All right, that was a little side trail. I don't even know where I was going with that. The way we love people and the way we honor people. Um, public transport, that's where I was going with that one. But it's interesting that we have to start with great love for one another and great of honoring each other. You see, in 1 Corinthians, it, it speaks of the same thing. And, and again, remember, it's the same author between both of these books, so it makes sense. But now he gives a different list of spiritual gifts. But it's interesting, on chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, 12 gives you all the gifts. 13, he says... If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I have away, deliver up my body to be bound, but not love, I gain nothing. And then it goes on, what is love? Love is patient. You hear it at weddings, that verse. But just before there, it goes and talks about, in, in chapter 12, verse 23, it talks about many parts of the body, and we think some are less honorable, and we need to show greater honor, is saying, actually, to those that we think are less honorable. So really what he's saying is, would you treat every single person with great value? What would that look like in your places of work this week? What would it look like in your prayer time when you're praying for your family and your friends that you would begin to say, God, how do I show your great love for people? And maybe it's starting by learning how to honor them. Learning how to love them. You know, I, I love this when people say this, you know, I don't like them very much, but I love them. You don't like, well, I don't hate them. I just don't like them very much, but I'm told to love them. You know, love your enemies. Well, 
I, I think that's a little odd, actually, because I, I think we actually genuinely need to love everybody. Now, it goes against our flesh. I get that. But guess what? Jesus, who so loved this world, every person in the world, so loved that he actually gave his very life for you and I, but also for the one you don't like very much. And guess what? They are made in his image, and they have high value. What would it look like if we started loving each other the way that Jesus loved us? But the reason why this is supernatural, because it's not natural to love people in this way. How many people, some of you got prayed for, a lot of you already have, a, have this opportunity to pray to God in another language, but how many of you this week have decided to pray a little bit more in, in your prayer language? Anybody from last week to this week? I know I have. I've been really challenged by it. And guess what has happened when I do? I'm finding that my love for people is increasing. I wonder why. It's maybe because I'm taking on more of the nature of the Spirit of God. And he wants us to continue to love people. And by the way, love is patient. Love is kind. Where's that list? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. Ooh, I need to work on that one. Or resentful. Anybody get hangry? You know, like you're, you're hungry and then you get a little bit hangry. Then you eat, you eat something to make you not so hangry. But I get a little irritable, but no excuse. No excuses. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. You see, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, Jesus, the partial will pass away. Jesus' return, that is. It says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Church, if there's anything I want you to get from today, I want you to go into Romans 12. Read those gifts. By the way, there's all kinds of spiritual gift surveys online. Take them, figure out how, how has God wired you and designed you. But also, guess what? These manifest gifts mean that you don't have to have any inclination towards them. And, but if you're open to the Holy Spirit, he will use you to read somebody's mail. Not to make you feel good, not to make somebody else feel bad, but to show that God wants to be incarnate. That God wants to be imminent. That God wants to be close to his creation. 
That's why. Because we want to, when somebody gets, a, gets healed from a sickness or a disease in the name of Jesus, it shows that God cares about every little detail of that person's life. And the very thing that God does is he uses his creation, us, human beings, to display his goodness. This world is broken. It's hurting. It's distant from him. Why do we think we have this massive drug epidemic? It's not because people just are like getting hooked on drugs. Why do they go to the first place? It's because they're trying to find something that eases their soul. They're trying to find something that somehow fills a gap. Self-medicate with all of these other things. But the reality is what they're longing for is to be close to their creator who loves them, who wants to heal them, who wants to restore them, who really wants to bring heaven to earth, who really wants to redeem this world back to the way it originally was supposed to be like in the Garden of Eden before that crazy old Satan, Satan, oh, Satan. I just want to, you know, that one, get, get mad at that one. But the Spirit of God who dwells inside of us wants to invade this world and bring hope again and bring people close to God again that they might live this life with purpose, with passion, and with excitement to enjoy his creation, to enjoy this relationship with him. So at this holiday season, as you're going to many, many of you spend time with family and friends you might not necessarily spend as much time with throughout the year, would you ask yourselves this question? Would I start with the love of God that dwells richly in you, but allow God to also use you for the power of God that also dwells inside of you through the Holy Spirit? You lead with the love of God and you honor people with great value and you know the crazy family members that you're going to be around this Christmas. You know some of them, right? Mm-mm-mm. Those ones that you just like, I don't want to be anywhere near them. And yet, they're made in the image of God and they have great value. And God loves them. The hurting in your workplace, the desperate in your schools, teens, kids, they need you to bring Jesus. See, Jesus shows up when you show up. But here's the reality is you have to think about someone intentionally to honor them. That means you've got to think about yourself less. To be less selfish, you have to think of yourself less. So you have to think of someone else intentionally to honor them and you have to care about someone deeply to love them. So that family member that grates you the, the wrong way 
Would you start now praying that God give me the heart of compassion to love them the way that you would love them because you died for them as well. But then you ask, God, would you allow people to experience you? Because this transcendent God, this God that's far away out there that many people think if they even believe in God, God doesn't care about me. That's what they think. But when they experience the power of God, they can experience the love of God that wants to be close to them. And he wants to use you and I to make him known. How are you going to honor somebody this week? How are you going to encourage somebody this week? How are you going to build somebody up this week? How are you going to think of yourself less this week? How can you care about somebody a little deeper this week? And then ask the Holy Spirit to use you as he deposits gifts. He's the initiator of it, by the way. You're just stewarding what God wants to do. But he's looking for people who are open and willing. Say, God, use me. I got my own stuff in my own life, but use me. I think that word that was given to us early was, earlier was actually for this moment. Because I think sometimes we're like, how could God use me when I got all this stuff in my life? None of us are perfect. Jesus, before he left this earth in, in Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mark, Chapter 16. This is the great commission. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. That's you. These signs should be evident amongst you. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands and they'll drink deadly poison and will not hurt them. They will not lay their, oh, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay, we're not the snake handling kind of church. Don't worry. I've got some poison up here for you to drink this afternoon. Trust me, you'll be fine. No, I'm kidding. The point is, he's saying that guess what? There are going to be supernatural things that are going to go through you for those who believe. Just before this, it's interesting. Jesus is uh, spending time with his disciples, and right after his transfiguration, Jesus has a meeting, a bizarre encounter from the disciples' point of view. 
that Jesus goes up on this mountain and meets with Moses, who's been long dead in his flesh, and Elijah. And Peter goes, oh, this is great. Should I build like a little tent for each of you guys so you can get, kind of have your meeting? And, and uh, so like we're not bothering you. But right after that, it's interesting that there's this person who has these epileptic seizures, probably, it sounds like it. They say he's, he's filled with a demon. And they try to, to cast this demon out, the disciples, and they can't do it. And they bring this boy to Jesus, and Jesus kind of gives this kind of thing of just saying, like, come, come on, guys. Like, how long do I have to, like, put up with you that you guys don't quite get this yet? All right, bring the boy to me. And he prays, and, and the demon goes, and the boy's healed. The disciples afterwards say, Jesus, Jesus, why couldn't we cast that out? Legitimate question. But I think it goes to what I was going to talk to you about today, what I've talked to you about today. Because Jesus' answer, he says, this, this kind only comes through prayer and fasting. This, this kind of thing can only, this miracle can only happen through prayer and fasting. This deliverance can only happen through prayer and fasting. I was pondering on this a little bit, and in many ways, we just say, okay, it just shows evidence that we need to spend time praying and fasting. But, but I wonder if it really had to do with how much they loved this kid. Did the disciples want to see the miracle? Because guess what? Simon the sorcerer loved the miracles. He wanted to buy the gift, if you will. Hey, can I, can I pay you money to have the power to do all this? We love the power. But are you willing to do the hard work and pray for somebody and intercede on their behalf and even fast, which means giving up food to see somebody set free? That would show how much you love them and care for them. What would you do in preparation for a family gathering with a family member that you know is going to be difficult, would you spend time praying and fasting for that situation? For your coworker who's battling whatever? You see, that's why you have to have the love of God and the power of God. As we close... I hope you leave here today not just saying, hey, that was, that was a good message. I especially like that part about the, the train story. I can't think of anything else, but the train story is kind of cool. No, I want you to remember the train story because we want to remember how we're to honor each other, to love each other deeply. But I also want you to remember that the power of God is to be felt evident through us as well. I kind of gave you a quick survey, a quick overview, but some of you are going to be in this place where you're like, I'm still scratching my head on some of this stuff. And I've asked Peter Mahegan, if you just quickly stand and wave your hand, just stand, wave your hand.
If he would come, he want, he's willing to do a Q&A. If you have questions about the gifts of the Spirit or anything that we even talked about uh, last week, he's going to stay up here, and anybody you have questions, you can do Q&A. He might stay in here. He might go to another room, depending on how big of a crowd it is. But I want to offer that to you because I don't want to leave you hanging here questioning. But I did want us to hit on this first because we can go all supernatural on you. I'm the first one. I love to see God move. But if we don't get this part right, which is how well we love each other, how well we honor each other. By the way, thank you for the pastor appreciation event last weekend. You honored your pastor as well, so thank you so much. But I hope that we honor you as well. So Father, we thank you so much for this time this morning. I pray that we would not only show your love, God, through our lives, but we would also be open to the demonstrated power, God, that you want to work through our lives, through the manifestation of the Spirit, that there would be healing that would come through by your Spirit, that we would be used by you, God, that there would be miracles, there would be signs, there would be wonders, Father, that there would be the prophetic There would be greater leadership. There would be greater administration. There would be greater service. There would be greater gifts of giving that would be released in this church, Lord, I pray. So, Father, I just ask that you would release the giftings upon this church. But, Father, let us first and foremost hang on to the fruits of your Spirit. For the greatest of these is love. I'm also mindful that there might be here some here today that don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you, would you just say, I I want to know Jesus personally. I didn't know this God wants to be close to me. I want to experience in my life. I want to find this hope. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. Everybody keep your eyes closed. We'll just keep this moment of prayer. If that's you, slip up your hand real quick. I just want to pray for you. Anybody here today, I want to receive Jesus in my life as my Lord and Savior. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. So Lord Jesus, right now, for those who raised their hand, I just pray they would say this simple prayer and it's a great reminder for all of us. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. To take away my sins, the things of my past that I'm ashamed of. Thank you for taking care of my shame that you've forgiven me for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for not only going to the cross, but you rose, three days later, you rose from the grave, conquering death, which means you have the power to give life, eternal life, and we receive that eternal life into our hearts today, Lord Jesus. We want to make you the Lord of our life, Lord Jesus not following the ways of the world, but following your ways, your word. Father, you're not calling us to perfection, but you're calling us into a relationship. So those people who raise their hand today, we celebrate with all the angels that are celebrating that they are now a part of the family of God. They're loved and cherished and they're cared for by you in this family. Help us to do our part to see them grow and mature. Father, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 